Well, I hope the Canes defense got some good rest during that bye week because you get to go up against one of the top offenses in college football this weekend. You are Locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, radio host on the Miami Hurricanes post-game show and contributor to allhurricanes.com. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Finally, we're out of the bye week and we are in a game week, my friends. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked On College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So the Hurricanes this weekend, uh, after just having gone up against an air raid in Middle Tennessee a couple of weeks ago, they go up against an air raid on steroids this coming week against North Carolina. The Tar Heels this season, and you saw them putting up a million points against Virginia Tech over the weekend. North Carolina is averaging 507 yards of total offense per game. That's good for sixth in college football and number one in the ACC. They average 319 passing yards per game, led by Drake May with their passing attack. That's, of course, pass defense is where Miami looked most vulnerable last time out, giving more than 400 yards of passing up to Chase Cunningham and the Middle Tennessee Blue Raiders. We have so much to break down, so little time. That's why we bring in the man, the myth, the legend. You're my boy, Blue. Larry Bluestein joins us from South Florida High School Sports.com from 560 WQAM. Blue, how you been, sir? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, the week off uh, from the Hurricanes, kind of like I'm sure it did everybody a little bit uh, good to kind of step back and, you know, get get away from what uh, has happened the last uh, couple of games that they played. But uh, definitely, uh, you know, back on the recruiting trail, seeing a lot of games. Uh, Hurricane Ian definitely kind of disrupted uh, some of the South Florida uh, games and stuff. But uh, but we're back and thinking about the rest of the state of Florida and Puerto Rico and all the other areas affected by this crazy storm. Amen to that. Yeah. Uh, now, Blue, I'm I'm tempted to try not to judge, you know, Miami's defense by strictly by their best or by their worst, because I thought that their most complete performance where they looked really tight and effective in coverage was against Texas A&M. By far their worst performance is that debacle against Middle Tennessee, where that quarterback is still throwing 98 yard touchdowns <laughs> to this day. So I'm sure that the real Miami defense is somewhere in the middle, maybe closer to the one that you know, kind of came on in the second half against Southern Miss and pitched a shutout in the second half there. Uh, so, Blue, what are you expecting this coming weekend? Because I think that this is the type of North Carolina offense. They're clicking on all cylinders. I don't think you can stop these guys. Like, you're not going to suddenly limit them to, like, 250 total yards when they go over 500 per season. Like, they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points. But can Miami do enough to contain them and make some key stops? What's it going to take? Well, first of all, Miami still has bad memories of North Carolina and then putting up a million and a half yards against them uh, three, four years ago. Um, to answer your question, probably they can. Um, 
Will they? Um, you have to have personnel, and that's one thing. Miami doesn't have enough personnel, and, and that's the one thing. So it's going to be, I'm sure, last week and into this week as well, it's been all about coaching and, and trying to come up with schemes. Uh, because as I, as I always relate to everybody, if you run a 4.3-yard four th- 4. Uh, 40 in Chicago, you'll do it in Miami as well. So uh, North Carolina is who they are. I watched them against Virginia Tech. They get the ball out quick. They distribute extremely well. They pass well. They're not the running team, but they can run the ball if, if needed. So uh, to answer your question, Miami just needs to play better football. If they come out on the short end, so be it. It's a learning experience, but don't get embarrassed. And, and and this game has the potential to see Miami get embarrassed at home because we're we're using the Middle Tennessee State game as a reference, and Miami couldn't stop a lot of kids on that team that wouldn't even come close to starting in the two deep for North Carolina. So you're looking at a, a personnel. Um, I think what happened is your coaching is going to have your, your defensive coach Steele is going to have to be extremely, extremely on top of this game. He's going to have to make some calls that may be a little bit out of the box, but they're going to have to slow them down. Stopping them is going to be awfully tough. If they stopped them, that would be amazing. Uh, but slowing them down is going to be the key. And uh, from a defensive standpoint, um, they're going to get their yards. They're going to get their points, but you're going to have to limit those big plays. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're going to give up, you know, drives of 70 yards and 12 plays, so be it. I mean, that's the way game football is supposed to be played, but don't shorten the field. Don't make mistakes. And I think I made that point right before the mid, mid ten, middle Tennessee game and the A&M game that don't help these teams. They don't need your help. You know, they, they're good enough. They don't need your help. And same thing with North Carolina. Don't, you know, when you, you know, don't, don't, get personal fouls. Don't continue right. to jump off sides. Don't give them the advantage. If they're going to beat you, let them beat you at your best. You know, don't you think, and and going back, and I, I love Kevin Steele, by the way, so I'm not trying to like, I'm not yeah. talking about Steele the way anyone talks about Josh Gaddis because he he gets a lot of, uh, it's a lot of disrespect as Josh Gaddis, but we'll get to the offense. But Kevin Steele, uh, I just thought he, from my perspective, didn't really get it right against Middle Tennessee, playing so much man coverage and leaving his receivers on an island. I think he probably underestimated MTSU's talent and maybe overestimated his own defensive backs a little bit. So don't you think, and I'm assuming he's learned from that, that we're probably going to see a lot more men drop back into coverage and we're going to see a lot more zone than we saw last time. Because if they if they man up like they did against Middle Tennessee, I think it's going to be a uh, like a 700 total yards type of night for North Carolina. Well, you're not, you know, you're not saying anything that's not true. And, and, and personally, as I just said in the opening, um, it's about schemes at this point. You're going to have to come up with ways uh, to disguise, uh, you know, coverages. And uh, as you mentioned, you can't go into cover zero against a team like North Carolina. It's just impossible. If you if you do that, you're going to lose the war. And and certainly they have the personnel in it. That's the one thing. And, and it, you know, we'll address this uh, also today about I think the fans have to understand. Uh, this is when you were a kid and you play with Play-Doh and uh, you shaped it into all different forms. When you put it back into the box, it was still Play-Doh. So Miami has what they have. You know, you could do certain things with it, 
but the talent level and and certainly the 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 depth at a lot of positions on both sides, but mainly on the defensive side, the front seven, you got some kids, but you don't have a lot of uh, replacements that are at that level, like a lot of the other teams. So it all comes down to coaching. And if anybody that I know says anything bad about the coaching staff, I just tell them, you just, you may not understand football. This Mm, is a really good coaching staff and they're going to do everything that they can in their power uh, to, to game plan for this contest just like they do every week and like you said maybe uh, uh they went in uh, underestimating uh, middle tennessee state but when you're in a situation miami's in and this is something that i firmly believe and not just here but programs on the on the on the growth uh, you can't underestimate anybody and i don't care who it is because i mean you look at a lot of these programs that you know that they're they're trying their hardest to beat you and because of the transfer portal and because of everything that's gone on middle tennessee state has power five guys just like southern mississippi had power five kids that were you know that that probably couldn't crack the lineup somewhere else because there were better guys but they still have that level when they were coming out of high school they were recruited by the indianas and the wisconsin's and the miamis and and now like i said ucf is in that power five mode too so that's my belief is this you have to understand that you know you every coach you know, defensive backs, defensive ends, interiors, linebackers, safeties, corners has to understand that there's an assignment that has to be, you know, played. Sure. Um, you know, you have coach Steele who coordinates it all, but those individual coaches, this is a huge week for them because of the fact that they really have to individually coach a lot better and they know, and they know, but then it comes down to, do I have the talent to match up with that 6'4", 220-pound receiver that runs a 4'5", 4'4", and, and has great hands and knows how to separate? See, those are the things you have to address. Again, they're going to get stung. They're going to get stung. I mean, they do it. To, everybody does it. Uh, but you have to limit on on the big plays. Make them drive the, the ball. Make them grind it out against you. Don't make it so darn easy for them to go two plays in 70 yards. So I think that the, to answer your question, uh, I think it's going to be all about uh, coaching this week, uh, you know, to, to be in this game and uh, not to get, you know, let this thing get out of hand like the Middle Tennessee State did. We're only getting started here with Larry Bluestein. I want to get his unique perspective on Tyler Van Dyke and what hasn't gone right to start this year because Blue covered TVD in high school. He's probably studied more Tyler Van Dyke high school than we have Tyler Van Dyke college. He's all over this. So, uh, you know, what it's going to take to get TVD going and Maybe Jake Garcia is the answer, and if so, Blue is going to tell us about that, guys, when we come back. But, man, I want to talk about the great folks at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I have been hired through LinkedIn Jobs before, Hopefully I made that employer happy. Hopefully they thought they found uh, the right guy. But guys, it's really easy to create your free job post at LinkedIn Jobs. Then you add your job and the purple 
hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easier to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and ultimately hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making locked on canes. Your first listen today. We are part of the awesome locked on podcast network, your team every day, Alex Dono alongside Larry Bluestein. uh, blue, um, there are a lot of people trying to jump ship on the Tyler Van Dyke era, and I've I've flirted with it. Okay, I'm I'm at about my last uh, straw here, especially seeing Jake Garcia come into that Middle Tennessee game and just look sharper and more decisive and more accurate in that offense than Tyler did. With that said, I'm expecting them to stick with TVD at least for one more game. Uh, and Blue, like there are plenty of things that obviously have been affecting Tyler, like changes from last year. I'm not going to call them excuses. I'm going to call them changes from last year. Offensive scheme change. Different wide receivers, including losing your top two targets from last year, and then your top target this year gets hurt uh, after the second game of the season. And even Jacoby George, right when he comes back and makes a couple of nice catches, he's injured out for several weeks as well. Um, but to the other side of it, Blue, it also looks, honestly, like Tyler Van Dyke has allowed his mechanics to regress, right? I've got to think it's something me mechanical or maybe even mental when I see him missing open wide receivers by five yards and staring down receivers on a lot of occasions. So you know Tyler Van Dyke having studied him more than most. What is it going to take to turn Tyler Van Dyke into the player he was last year? Well, first of all, his confidence was shaken. And and certainly because of the fact that what you just mentioned, um, they had two premier receivers last year that probably we kind of took for granted at times. But between Rambo and Harley, they made plays that almost they in fact, even on bad passes. I just rewatched five games from last year and I saw what a difference that they made. Uh you know, he made the throws, but they had to make some really good catches, and they did. So your playmakers on the offensive side of the ball make a huge difference in everything. I mean, you you look at a Tom Brady or some of the great quarterbacks. If they didn't have guys that were catching the balls or getting open, he'd just be the a dude, you know, that was dropping, see, seeing passes dropped or off target. Because you have to understand, because of the fact that – and it and, – I don't buy the scheme stuff. You know, I really don't. I mean, really? Yeah, I don't. I, I just think that pr productivity is everything, Alex. And if you, if these, listen, if they're catching the ball and going in for touchdowns and not dropping seven or eight balls against Texas A&M, we're talking a different tune. Miami would have beat them. Uh, you know, so you have to think the way that I look at it is Miami has a, uh, they're not a deep team. So when a Restrepo goes down or when a Jacoby George goes down, there goes a lot of productivity. And to me, you could have all the eight stars you want, but if they're not productive, and I could just point to Corey Flagg, where everybody right. wants to get him out of the lineup because he's not this and he's not that. But what he is is a guy that fills up the stat sheet at the end of the game with his tackles, with his assists. Uh, and that's the same thing if you look on the offensive side of the ball everybody's stacking the box. And I illustrated to my friend Jazz Santana when we were sitting there watching the last game, you know, at uh, Hard Rock. 
I said, look at how Middle Tennessee is starting with seven guys in the box. And when the play starts, they've got nine guys, nine of the 11 that are within four yards of the box. So they have no respect for Miami's passing game. And that's what I talk about productivity. If you don't have it, you're, <coughs> excuse me, you'll have no respect from that defense. And that's what right now, North Carolina is going to come in there and play a base defense and they're going to wait and see what happens, no matter who's in there at quarterback. I mean, I think people are making so much of who's, you know, Jake or, but if what they're doing is not working and, and the receivers of Mallory or whoever is not dropping or not, are not catching balls and they're not running the patterns that they need and they're not creating separation then all of a sudden the running game is obsolete because it doesn't matter what you do because you're going to have eight, nine guys stacking the box against the run because that's all Miami's really proven that they could do uh, is run the ball. But they got that taken away from them last week or two weeks ago because of the fact that Miami's not going upfield. I don't think it's – it's. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. I saw Tyler was a little bit – he wasn't as confident. His throws weren't as crisp. I mean, they were in the in the Texas A&M game, I felt. I mean, he was hitting targets. They just weren't catching the ball. Now, his uh, maybe the thing is, is he was so used to every week coming out and throwing for 300-plus yards because, you know, the little outs that he would throw to, to somebody like Harley would turn into 50, 60-yard gains. And so here you are progressing that way. They had – Fairly good running game. Their offensive line was average. It's a lot better this year. But then again, how much can you ask of them, uh, you know, especially when the defense has the key to your house? You know, they know exactly what you're going to do. So my point is you start a guy who got you there last year, a guy who got all the hype. And we we talked about this before. It could have easily been another quarterback that got Jake Garcia could actually have been him last year. He was just mm -hmm. hurt at the time when they were kind of making the decision to move on from De'Ara King, uh, you know, because of his injury. But my point is right here, Alex, is you start him out, and but you've got to start throwing up field against North Carolina. And North Carolina is a whole lot better defensively than Middle Tennessee State. So what they're going to do, they're bigger and faster. Their front seven is a lot more active. They're going to try to shut down uh, the run because of the fact that that's what Miami can do the best right now. Well, so and also, and, and North Carolina, like, listen, uh, and, and they 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 just they they did play better against Virginia Tech, but throughout the year, their their defensive secondary looks vulnerable. So it's yeah. like I feel like if Miami can actually figure out their passing game, I, you should be able to exploit this North Carolina secondary. You should, uh, but they should have done it against uh, Middle Tennessee State too. But yeah. it, the whole thing is, is my point here is you have to get your, you know, if, so if Will Mallory has not been catching the ball, then you go to Skinner and, you know, you go, you, you go to, uh, um, to, to somebody Arroyo. that's going to catch the ball, yeah. Arroyo, but Arroyo dropped a couple of passes mm -hmm. too that, yeah. that were yeah. to him. Uh, you've got to get guys. And, and that's the one thing that Restrepo meant to the team, because I fully 100% believe that if Restrepo's in the game against A&M, they win because he's good for seven to 10 points. And there, there was your margin right there. And especially because Miami played extremely well on defense, but although, you know, my thoughts on Texas, a&M I always say shame on them they've had a five-year running start and they're an average at best team they yeah. really are they're yeah. they have no quarterback that has quarterback play their offensive line is not deep so that's what I'm saying that's for Miami fans I'm preaching this to you 
Miami will be a billion times further ahead than anybody else after four or five years because Ooh. it's just you look at the coaching staff, you look at the way they're recruiting. Uh, but guys that they have, I don't care if you're a four star, five star, or no star. You got to make plays. You have to make plays because if you don't make plays, you're just an average Joe. And, and you can run fast. You can be big. And that's why I, I think that all these guys looking at Miami now, and, you know, it was asked this question several times over the last few days. Uh, you think it's diminishing. You think that these kids are watching these Francis Malagoas and, and then guys like that are watching now and go, oh, my gosh. You know, they're not. They're looking okay. and saying – Hey, I've got the opportunity a year from now to be in that national on the national spotlight because, you know, evidently they don't have a guy at that position better than me. And that's what they're looking at. And to me, you look at a Ray Ray Joseph or a, or a Robbie Washington or, you know, any of the kids that they're going to bring in offensively, three tight ends that I think are as good as anybody. I mean, you bring in three tight ends like they have on the wire for 2023. That's Iowa stuff. You know, Iowa gets kids like that where they have two first round draft picks, you know, at the tight end position. It's all about personnel. And I think right now this coaching staff assembled, come on. You look at their resume, look at everybody and what they've done in the past. They're not just going to, you know, go into amnesia on how to coach. They're not, but you, they have to have personnel. And yeah, you know what? You yeah. could draw things up all day, Alex. And this is what I always said. And I'm sure that, that this is frustrating. And, and, and Mario's got to stop taking blames. You see, he he's quick. Oh, it was my fault. And we were, no, nah, it's not your fault. You, you, your days of playing that game are over. You're coaching. You, you, your game plan is spotless. I know it is because I watch what they bring out, but if they don't execute, it makes, it makes them look bad. But if you know the game, it's on the personnel. It is 100% on this personnel, you know, catch a ball, make a run, make a block, make a tackle. Cause if you don't do it, you're, you're putting a bad light because the average fan and I'm not knocking the fans, but you have to understand if you're a carpenter and you're doing it 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, I'm not going to come in and tell you, oh, wow, this is wrong. That is wrong. But the same thing is I watch football around the clock. I've watched yeah. it for 52 years. And I know when you see what's going on, you can say, well, you know, this is a personnel problem. This isn't a coaching problem. I mean, I blew up at somebody the other day where they said, well, Mario's on the hot seat. What? Oh, my God. What? Blue, what, welcome to my life. I get that in my comments every <laughs> single day. And uh, sanity, it, it, I've had to work at it in the last week. I've had to work at my own sanity. Yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, the way I feel. So if any Hurricane fans are listening, you got to give this time, no matter what happens this year, if they go 500, if they don't, if whatever they do, you got to understand this, this is a progression and this is not how it's going to be in another year. And this is not how it's going to be in two years. So I know you, you that the fans are extremely tired of hearing, Oh, we're going to be this and we're going to be that. And I understand. And I fully understand, but yeah. Right now, you've had an opportunity with what's on board in the recruiting class now and some of the guys that they're targeting for 24 to fully buy in. And I know it's frustrating and people spend money on tickets and they go to games and, you know, the experience is tougher when they walk out of there and lose to a middle Tennessee state. But you know what? 
That's how things are. You know, you look back, Florida lost to Georgia Southern. Last year, my uh, FSU lost to Jacksonville State, and they're 4-1 and one this year. It's because – and their fans are not uh, – you know, they – at last year at times they were calling for Norvell's head. But yeah, you know were. what? When you understand, you step back and you, and you think what's going on, you say, wow, Mario's resume. And, and people say, oh, he was awful at Oregon. He couldn't win the big game. Huh? Come on. Come on, let's. let's I, I love it because I get that as well. I get I get the angry exes. Like I get Oregon fans yeah. who turn up in our comment. This is just who Mario is. They said, and I'm like, okay, did, did nah, you feel that way when he won nah. two Pac-12 titles? Did you feel that way when he went to Ohio State and won last year? It's like, okay, you're, totally you're disagree carry, with those. They always bring up, well, look, he kept getting out coached by Utah. Well, you don't bring up the instances where he won big games. All right, well, when we come back, I got a couple of very important questions to ask Larry Bluestein. Wide receiver recruiting is among them, my friends. So make sure you keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, make Bet Online your number one source for football betting info this season, like I do. I'm on Bet Online literally every day, guys. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. And as always, Bet Online re remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to betonline.net or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Alex Dono and Larry Bluestein with you here. Uh, Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So, Blue, let me shut the door real quick on the North Carolina prep. Uh, going back to quarterbacks, would you consider – starting Jake Garcia this week, or do you still think it's Tyler Van Dyke's team for now? Tyler Van Dyke's team. You start with him, uh, you play it by ear, see what goes on. But I'm not I'm not a big, oh, well, you ruined the confidence. I mean, if if uh, in baseball, if a guy has a one hitter going and he's winning one to nothing and they take him out because they figure, well, you know, somebody can close or this or that, they don't get angry. I mean, mm. you know, they get frustrated because, but people aren't saying, oh my God, they got a problem. No, it's just all of them are wearing a uniform. Whatever combination works, you don't like to use two quarterbacks, obviously, but right. you're in a trying period right now. You're not going to win any national title. You're what you're doing is you're trying to set the table for the future. I think that Tyler deserved uh, deserves that that respect that he he carried that team in the last year and he carried him into the off season where he was a focal point no matter where he went kept Miami relevant. If he falters and he can't move the ball, you move on. That's just how life is. I mean, that's why you have him and you Curry Brown and you got Jaden Rashada and all these other guys yeah. it's because you want to elevate the position. And if he's not getting the job done, you you also have to evaluate and say, listen, like in the A and M game why would there be any reason to take him out? Was So Jake Garcia can come in and they could drop his passes? So to me last week, I'll agree with you and I'll agree with the fans or the last game. Uh, that wasn't his best effort. And he'll tell you, and he was off target and he was making poor throws and his decision-making was crazy. But give him that right to, to open up the ACC season as the starting quarterback for a program that when he left the, the ACC season last year, he was one of the best in, in the entire league. So I stay with him, but I wouldn't rule out and people have to stop with their, uh, you know, oh, we got to pull him as soon as he is 0 for 4. No, let him ride it out. Let's see what happens. Let the defense kind of help out too, you know, so, trying yeah. to keep Miami in the game. but. 
if he plays the way he knows how to, and these, these kids are open and he hits them and the running game, but my essential key to this game is you've got to get North Carolina out of that box because if they start mm-hmm. walking nine and 10 up, you're never going to do anything against them. They're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger, and they're more talented than South, uh, that middle Tennessee state was. So Miami needs to, even if you have to hit your tight ends out of the backfield, just something to back the linebackers up a little bit and, and give the safeties an opportunity to move back instead of move forward all the time. And you see, that's going to be the key. So that will dictate whether he stays in the game or not. And even if you put in the next quarterback, and even if Jake is the guy that looked good in that second half, Miami's still going to revert back to what they do. They're gonna, they're gonna, they're still gonna stack the box against him. Jake right. hadn't done anything that's gonna, you know, dictate that he's played at this uh, type of level. He's never played ACC uh, football before, you know, at, at, at a meaningful game. So they're gonna respect him in that same manner. But Miami can't get behind. Because then what happens is then they're going to have to they're going to come at you they're going to blitz you know that they're going to these some of these people realize that wow maybe they didn't see what Middle Tennessee State did <laughs> oh, sure, no they did I'm sure they watched a little bit of film yeah. and you know what and that that makes me before I I get off on the subject I was at a high school game. And one of these teens was trying this different, you know, play. It was like a screen over the middle. And the other team stopped it. And one of the linebackers turns and looks at the sideline. He goes, we watch film. You know, and I thought and I thought that was like that was a classic line. I've been around this a long time ago and I've never heard a player address a coaching staff like that. And I'm thinking to myself. I wish I could have filmed that because yeah. it's so true. You know, oh, North Carolina has been preparing for Miami even before Virginia Tech because obviously Miami's an important. Now they get down to the meat, you know, meat and potatoes this week, but everybody knows. Everybody knows what, and they're not going to go. Oh, well, let's let's play back because Miami's going to be you know a lethal passing team. But yeah, you got to establish your run. But the only way you can establish your run is getting your your upfield passing game a little bit more you know proficient. Give me your outlook on wide receiver recruiting, because, of course, uh, Miami hasn't exactly been showcasing a lot of great wide receivers on the current squad. Uh, you know, they do have a couple of very nice players committed for 2023. Like we're we're big fans of Ray Ray Joseph and Robbie Washington. Sure. But I know Miami wants more. OK, and they've recently missed out, at least in the verbal commits. They've missed out on Hakeem Williams. They've missed out on Tyler Williams. And then I also see a lot of great receivers from the area leaving the state, right? You talk about guys like Carnell Tate and Brandon Innes going to Ohio State, Jalen Brown committing to LSU. Uh, and it always, I always get, I know that there's just too many good players down here to keep everybody local, but I do always get kind of sad when you see so many great local players leaving the state. So, Blue, how do you think Miami's going to end up finishing this class in terms of receivers? And can Mario get it to where these guys aren't so anxious to go up to? Big Ten and SEC schools. Well, you know, that's a good point you make, uh, you know, but it's really tough too because I, I always look back in the day where Miami was ruling college football in the 80s and the 90s and part of the early 2000s, and you still lost Steve Hutchinson, you still lost Derek Thomas, and you lost Marvin Jones, and you lost so many quality football players. But at the same time, Miami always recruited well out of the state. And and certainly you don't want to see them whiff on well and you know you bring up Carnell Tate who's not from here he plays at IMG so it kind of oh, makes right. him That's right. yeah, you know bad. kind of makes him a Bradenton guy yeah. which I don't understand but uh, to me the biggest target 
uh, had to be Brandon Innes because here's a guy I watched him over the weekend against Cardinal Gibbons. And you say to yourself, this is a dude that obviously goes to Ohio State and he's going to, you know, obviously be in the mix. But they have Marvin Harrison's son and they've got, you know, Carnell Tate and they've got a few other kids and they've got two guys who I hear are going to transfer through the portal over that are really, they're going to be junior wide receivers. If I'm him, I take a step back and say, listen, Look at Miami right now. Look at the look at their need is. I can come in and I could be the dude right away. Right away. There's no question. Miami doesn't have a guy remotely like him. Not even close. Not even close. And that's why I'm saying the main thing is, is when you look at uh, a Robbie Washington and you look at a Ray Ray Joseph and you say is Miami going to be better with them? Yes. Yes. Same thing with Brandon Innes. So you could recruit a bunch of guys you know, uh, you know, whoever it is and say that one question I always ask is that bet is he better with them? What Miami has now. And to me, I would pull out all the stops. I understand that, you know, that Brian Hartline came down and has been showing, um, you know, Brandon and Mark Fletcher, a lot of love and rightfully so because they're two Florida coveted kids. But I think at the same time, Miami can provide more instantaneous uh, rewards for a brand in this right now because he's a guy, he's the dude, catches the ball, he can accelerate, um, you know, to me, and I'm not taking any shots at the Williams guys, uh, Hakeem Williams has not shown me anything that he could play at a power five level right now. So he's got a lot of learning to do. He's a basketball guy that's been, you know, that has the size and passes the, you know, passes the, the look test. Uh, Williams from Lakeland, same thing. He's, he's a real, he's good, but is he great? Is he, you know, obviously they're both maybe better than what Miami has now, but I think that your target right now should be on brand brand than in it. You do anything you can in the world to try to get him to flip and for him to see. And, and, you know, to me, uh, you know, uh, being a hometown guy, you know, and I know his mom real well, and I'm sure she would much rather be, uh, you know, driving down to Coral Gables than going to Columbus every Mm -hmm. weekend. And, and that to me is important. And I think he, as a student athlete, he, he benefits by, by being my, being my, and and you become another dude when you go to Ohio state, you come here and you're star attraction. And uh, that to me, I think as a young athlete, and it's not like you're asking them to go to Utah state, you know, I mean, Miami's an established program, you know, that, you know, Miami, the, the city of Miami embraces winners. That's, they've always done that. But, uh, you know, you got them. They got a few other guys that they have. I'm sure they'll hit the portal pretty hard, you know, to try to get a kid who might be disgruntled at Oregon or wherever, Wisconsin, now that they've made a change with Paul Chris. They've got a couple of kids up there as well. But I think you got to start understanding that the NIL is is really starting to dictate the way college football is. And if you could come up with a, you know, a better package than the other team and plus provide sunshine 365 days a year and an opportunity to be with the guy people that you grew up with i think that that's quite a lure and especially a coaching staff that like that what they have so to answer your question there's a lot of receivers out there and they're targeting and obviously you know whoever shows up is nice but i would make brandon a a major priority in this class 
I love it. And I always love chatting with you. You can follow this man on Twitter at Larry Bluestein. Make sure you check him out on the Six Ring Kane Show, which is uh, Mondays these days, right, Blue? Yeah, Monday nights. Monday nights on the Sixth Ring. Uh, Blue, thank you so much for taking the time and keep up the hard work. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate that. I love it. And guys, make sure you make Locked on ACC your second listen today. Host Candace Cooper and the local experts, including me. I join the show every Thursdays, taking you around the conference in 30 minutes. Locked on ACC. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day.